Welcome to the Commission Wrap-Up Show. I'm here with uh, the second podcast in two days, and I just want to talk a little bit about some breaking news that went down earlier today, and that was the surprising extension of Wander Franco and the Tampa Bay Rays. So it wasn't one of those um, Ronald Acuna type of deals where they're locking up a player before they prove themselves. Wander Franco went out there and got the bag. It was the um, highest extension in Ray's history. He will become the highest paid Ray in by a lot. The last guy was Evan Longoria. Um, and obviously Franco has lived up to his expectations this year and ever since all through the minor leagues. Um, at 16 years old, he was a prodigy and became baseball's number one top prospect. <clears throat> and then he emerged as a 20-year-old phenom where he got off to a slow start and then completely uh, took the league by storm. So watching Franco play for Tampa, it became clear that they wanted to lock him up. And they were on the verge earlier today of completing a blockbuster record-breaking extension that would keep him under contract for more than a decade. Um, So that leaves us with the actual details. So going through Wander's deal... Um, it looks like it's going to be an 11-year extension with an option for a 12th year for $223 million, um, and some award escalators. So ESPN's Jeff Passon was the first to report it, um, and the escalators are going to be $3 million, including a top-five MVP finish beginning in 2028, and this does not come with a no-trade clause. So some of the reactions in the, in the chat uh, were that they're happy that Tampa did something like this. And I have to agree. It's something that we're not used to seeing. Um, I saw a um, a metric on Reddit earlier today that showed that their whole, um, their whole salary was in total were 225 million and just overall what they're paying Wanda Franco is 228. So, very interesting to look at, and I think the Rays are doing the right thing. They're investing in the future. And let's be honest that baseball is investing in the game. I mean, people want to talk about baseball is dying, but look at all these young stars and young players getting all this money. So fresh off of Mookie Betts getting that 12-year extension with the trade to the Dodgers. We saw uh, Mike Trout get the 10 years back in 2019, and that deal will run through 2030. He got $360 million. Um, Francisco Lindor off the, the sign-and-trade with the, the Indians. 10 years, 341. And that was obviously in the offseason, and Lindor is looking to better himself than he did this year. And then Fernando Tatis Jr., who got 14 years, $340 million. And he'll be locked up in San Diego until 2034. Um, you can even go further back with Gene Carl Stanton. In 2014, who the Yankees are still paying that money for. But as far as financially, baseball's in a really good spot. Now, you know, everyone wants to talk about the Rays and what they did. But really the big story in baseball is going to be whether or not the two sides, the Players Association and then the owners, can get together and avoid this lockout. Which, it seems unavoidable at this point. December 1st was the deadline. Um where everything freezes, where the CBA expires. So we will see what happens. But at this point, 
it is pretty obvious that both sides are too stubborn and they are, you know, digging their feet in. So, um, yeah, so I wanted to get back to you guys and just talk a little bit about the Wander deal. Um, I thought it was something that was enough of newsworthy to get on here and just talk about it. Um, Wander is someone that we have followed all the way through. He's been one of the NA keepers. Alicia had him locked up and became one of his, I mean, one of her um, bright spots for last year. Um, some other light news. We saw Aaron Loop sign with the Angels. Anthony Descalfani stayed with the Giants. Um, Alex Wood seems like he's on his way back to San Francisco as well. So there are some pre-Thanksgiving free agency rushes, which is a rare thing to say. Um, some other news, like just going through the wire, the Reds seem like they're unwilling to move Castillo. Uh, they seem obvious at the trade deadline that Castillo would be someone that people wanted to trade for. But they are hit and miss with Castillo. Um, the Reds have said that Sonny Gray is very much on the trade block. And the Reds have indicated to other teams that Castillo and Tyler Maley are absolutely off limits. That's what Buster Olney said. So, um... We know how good Castillo can be, um, especially since he's affordable and under control long-term. They have significant trade value, so you have to imagine that maybe Cincinnati is just playing hardball. Maybe they want uh, someone to blow them away. But as of right now, Sonny Gray is the only guy that they're willing to deal. Um, Castillo is one of those guys that's inconsistent, um, but when he's on his game, he could be one of the game's best pitchers. So I think Castillo would make a would really really prosper on another team. I think right now a change of scenery is is really needed for Luis Castillo. Um we also have eight teams in on Steven Matz. Um he's expected to make a decision prior to Thanksgiving. This is reported by New York Post's Joel Sherman. Um, and eight teams are in on them. So that's the Angels, the Blue Jays, the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Giants, the Mets, the Red Sox, and the Tigers. Um, the Mets already made him an offer, so they're looking for a reunion. Mats will be heading into his age 30 season. Obviously began his career with the Mets. Um, he had a pretty good 2021 with the Blue Jays, especially for our league. We saw him um, in the early, of the early in the season. He was sort of um, looked at as a surprise. Eventually he was dropped. He finished with a 3.82 ERA through 150 and two-thirds innings. Um, and he was averaging about 30 starts with a league average ERA for the last three seasons. Um, seems like a three-year deal similar to what Desclafani got from the Giants could be what he's looking for. And I'm not sure if Joel Sherman had said what he would be getting from the Mets or what they offered him, but... Um, it might be a reunion we are seeing, and I'm not sure how the Mets fans in our league feel about that. Um, speaking of other pitchers that are on the market, the Orioles are dangling left-hander John Means in trade talks, and this is also reported by Buster Olney. Um, I mean, I guess we have to just say it, but every team is the one. Every team is gauging the market on their players this time of the year, especially a team that's really bad. The Orioles lost over a hundred games. They seem like they're very far away. They have some bright spots in the minor league system with Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rushman. But by the time those guys are ready to help compete at the big league level, um, John Means would probably be 
well past his uh, production time. So John Means is another guy similar to Castillo who has a lot of value because of his team control. So right now his contract goes through 2024. He's projected to make only about $3 million um, through 2021, and he's 28. So we obviously saw him throw the no-hitter this year. He's been the Orioles' best starter the last three years, um, which isn't saying much, but it hasn't been close. Um, This year he missed more than a month with a shoulder injury, so that slowed him down a little bit, and he never really was the same again. So if someone can get him healthy, he might be someone that is very, very dangerous um, for a team that's actually good with with an above-average offense. Um, We talked about Wander Franco. Um, This is breaking the record for a player uh, with less than one year service time, which is currently held by Acuna, who I mentioned earlier, which was eight years, $100 million. And people look at the Acuna deal as someone who took under market value, um, especially for what Acuna is worth now or should be worth. That's an absolute steal. And like you look at the team like the Braves of the World Series champions, and they're able to do a lot of things because of the fact that their best player signed on a very reasonable deal. Um, the White Sox are signing Kendall Graveman, who was the closer um, last year um, for the Astros and for the Mariners. Um, Chicago is expected to trade Craig Kimbrell. So Graveman will replace him as the top right-handed option in the bullpen. Uh, so that's something to watch for. And then other things in the market right now, the Twins are throwing around maybe they'll trade Byron Buxton. Not much on that, but there's a lot of um, chatter about that across, you know, the Twins fans across the internet. So something to keep an eye on because Byron Buxton is sort of a lightning rod in our league as well. Another quick update on the lockout situation. So Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association agreed to move the tender deadline up to November 30th. So it was originally at December 2nd. Um, and this is according to reports from Robert Murray of Fansided and Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. Um, this decision moves the tender deadline before the expiration of the current collective bargaining agreement, which is scheduled to happen 11.59 p.m. Eastern on December 1st. If a new agreement is not reached within the next eight days, it's generally expected that the league would institute a lockout and subsequent transactions freeze. The Major League Baseball Players Association recently put together a 36-page document outlining a potential parameter of a lockout for players and their representatives. Um, Leaving the tender deadline on December 2nd would have left arbitration-eligible players in a state of limbo over the course of potential transactions freeze. Many could have been left with uncertainty about whether their current clubs intended to bring them back next season. Um, Could be a disaster for baseball. We've talked about this before. We've been kind of dreading it. Um, It's been looming like a black cloud. We do not need a lockout here in baseball. We talked about financially how healthy the league is as far as money to go around for players, but that could all change quickly if they burn the fans by having another lockout. So I'm hoping that maybe they feel pressure. You know, I think the owners are putting the ball in the court of the players right now because maybe they'll feel pressure. Um that the free agency will be uncertain. They want to be able to sign and get the money while they can. Um, and by forcing teams to make the final call on their arbitration player, uh, arbitration eligible players early, some non-tendered options could look to catch on a new club on December 1st and avoid the uncertainty altogether. 
So there may be a little bit of a um, of a, of a rush that last couple of days before it locks because you might have some of these players that are below uh, below market value that wanted to sign on with a club may just figure out a way to just be somewhere this way when the season starts. They're, they're signed on with a club and they know what they're doing because it could be absolutely cha- uh, chaotic. Um, other news too, just before I get off of here, uh, the Red Sox exercised the 2023 and the 24 club option on Alex Cora. So they're jumping ahead a year. Um, they're very happy with Alex Cora, and he's pretty much the difference of that Red Sox team. You saw what they did this year. They're a playoff team. The year before, without him, they were not. Um, so they were able to get a deal done um, and keep him in Boston. So this is what Alex Cora had said. Uh, I am beyond grateful for this opportunity to manage the Red Sox. We've experienced so many special moments as a team and as a city in 2021, but we still have unfinished business to take care of. I'm excited about the current state of our organization and continue and eager to continue my work in our front office, coaches, players, and everyone who make this such a special place. As everybody knows, Cora returned to the Red Sox after a one-year absence that came about as he was banned from the game for one year by Rob Manford's investigation into the Astros 2017 sign stealing scandal. Um, Cora was the bench coach. He was allegedly um, the mastermind and had a huge role in putting together the team's trash can scheme. So however you feel about Cora, it is what it is. I think he's proved that he is a valuable, valuable piece behind, um, especially managing the Red Sox. The 2018 Red Sox, um, were investigated for using the video room as well. Um, quietly, they were stripped of a draft pick. Um, but only the replay coordinator, JT Watkins, was the employee punished. So we don't really talk about that. We talk about the Houston disaster and everything that happened with them. Um, but, you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees had roles in cheating as well. Um we have to just admit the fact that Alex Cora's leadership of the team has been remarkable and well-deserved, so he will be behind. Um, he'll be leading the Red Sox until further notice, and deservedly so. Um, <clears throat> yesterday in the podcast, I mentioned Seiya Suzuki is a free agent. He um, is coming over from Japan. He's playing for the Hiroshima Carp. He'll be posted tomorrow at 4 p.m. Central Time, so that's uh, coming up. Um, so he has a 30 day window to sign with a team. So see where he goes. Um, I think MLB trade rumors has him listed. Let's see what number in the top 50 free agents 20th. So pretty valuable piece out there. We'll see if someone takes a risk in, um, getting someone to come over from overseas and, uh, join their team and he'll definitely get a contract. We'll see what team he goes to. So He's 27 years old. Um, people feel like he's capable of stepping right into the middle of a lineup for an MLB team. Um, and he has really good defense and a strong arm in right field. So um, I think the one caveat is that any big league team that signs him would owe the CARP a fee equal to 20% of the contract's first $25 million, 17 five-point percent of the next $25 million, and 50% of any dollars thereafter. So, for example, if Suzuki... We're signed for $55 million as predicted. Um, the signer would have to pay um, the CARP $10.125 million 
bringing the total bill to $65.125 million. Since the reports he was going to be posted, Suzuki has already been connected in rumors to the Red Sox, the Rangers, the Giants, and the Mariners. So just keep an eye on that. Um, let's see. The other big news, too, and I've been texting with some of the Yankee fans in the group. Um, the Yankees designated Clint Frazier, Rugnet Odor, and Tyler Wade for assignment, which eventually led to Clint Frazier being passed through waivers and then eventually released. So all I'm going to say about that is it seems like Clint Frazier need, wants to tell his side of the story, and we'll, we undoubtedly will hear his side of the story. But there is something to be said about when Clint Frazier comes back to town, no matter what team he's on, he's going to put on a show. So mark it on your calendars when Clint Frazier returns to Yankee Stadium. He's hitting two to three home runs. Predict it right now. Uh, we'll see where he goes. Um, he's got to get the, con- the concussion stuff under control. Um, but he says that there's been some discrepancy with the Yankees doctors, and he will speak when the time is right. So maybe it's similar to the Brian Danielson situation with WWE. If you guys remember that WWE wouldn't clear him, he felt like he could be cleared. His doctors were saying he could be cleared. Maybe it's something similar to that, or maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just guessing. But sad to see Clint Frazier go. Sad to see Tyler Wade go. But the Yankees obviously needs a shakeup, and they can't help the Yankees if they're not on the field. So uh, Clint Frazier... Hope he lands on his feet somewhere, and I look forward to watching him in whatever uniform he winds up in. Um, the Rangers extended manager Chris Woodward. Um, then I think we talked about the Mets name and Billy Epler, their general manager. There was a lot of chatter in the group about that, so I'll leave it there. So come back to you with a little league update, and then um, we're going to end this podcast. So this is a little extra little listening segment for you guys. All right, so before I go, I'm just going to just – start the conversation about the initial rankings uh, for the 2022 fantasy baseball season and just talk a little bit about the hitters that are being projected to uh, be ranked higher than one another and just get the conversation going. So uh, ranked number one on fan tracks, the initial top 250 hitter ranking is Juan Soto. Second is Fernando Tatis Jr., both kept, by the way. Trey Turner, who is a free agent. Jose Ramirez, who is a free agent. Vladimir Jr., um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he is a he is capped by Alicia. Bo Bichette, Shohei Otani, who is capped by Jimmy. Ronald Acuna Jr., who's, I guess, going to be drafted by Devin, unless things change. Mike Trout, who's being capped by Greg. Bryce Harper, the reigning NL MVP. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Rafi Devers, Marcus Semien, Aaron Judge, Kyle Tucker, Manny Machado, Luis Robert, Starling Marte. And number 20 is Ozzy Albies. So looking at some of those guys on here, it's interesting to even consider. Juan Soto's capped. Fernando Tatis Jr. is capped. Turner is a free agent. So is Jose Ramirez. So three and four um, are available in the draft. Vlad Jr. is capped. Bo Bichette. So really the top three players offensively that are left, according to fan tracks and according to other rankings, and obviously it's different from each site that you use or – your own opinion, but Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, and Bo Bichette are the top three available offensive players. So I've heard rumblings that potentially Bo Bichette would be the first offensive player taken. Um, I've seen conversations that Bo Bichette could be the favorite to win the MVP next year. Not sure. People believe he's going to take the next step. 
with the speed and uh, hitting for average and power, maybe Bobichet does take that next step. But to have him ranked over Shohei Otani offensively is aggressive. Um, Bobichet this year finished in our league with the most overall points, so he padded them at the end of the year, but still a remarkable feat, especially for someone who was not projected to do what he did. Um, he's a player that is sort of playing second fiddle, maybe even third fiddle in that lineup because of the fact that you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you have Marcus Semien, who was an MVP candidate, both of those guys. But Bo Bichette really carried that offense. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked to see Bichette go pretty high. Um, personally, like I know Devin's going to be taking Ronald Acuna Jr., but for me, I don't know how I would be able to justify taking Bichette there, especially you know with other players available. But the more I think about it, I'm going to have all offseason to really consider it. Um, it's possible. Like, I'm looking at his numbers from this year, and I'm going to um, – so I, I misspoke. So Bobochet was number one. He was number three. So point finishes – and this is crazy to even look at. Alicia had the three top offensive point produ- producers in the league. Um, that is insane. The fact that she didn't win the championship says a lot. Just that you need pitching, and she didn't have it. So Vlad Jr. finished with 247.15. Juan Soto, 231.50. And then Bobichet just a smidge behind him with 230.50. And then Marcus Semien, 230.25. So that's also three of the top four are Blue Jays. So I guess you can make the case that Bobichet would be taken right after Ron Acuna Jr. If you look at the draft order, that would be me there. But the next person with a pick would be... Let me just pull it up quick. Um, Next person with a pick. Because there are some people that are keeping... Like, I know Trout is being kept in the first round. Um, Once I pull it up, I'll be able to tell you guys. And if you guys want, I can share this document on the Google Drive so you guys have access to it and just take a look. Um, and we can also, you know, you guys can have access to the folder so you have all the supplies at all the, all the times, or you don't, you don't have to wait for me to send it to you in an email. Um, so looking at the draft, so it looks like Devin would be picking, so we'd assume he's taking Ronald Acuna, then I have the pick, then Trout. I mean, it's possible that Nick, Jimmy, or Alicia decide to take Boba Shett there if I don't decide to take him. Um, it's a risky move, especially at the top of the draft, and you have no real offense like I my keepers I have Max Muncy and that's really it so um I'm I guess taking the risk that Muncy who is ranked let's see what where Fantrax has him ranked and again this isn't like the gospel and this isn't the be all end all uh but Muncy's the 34th overall player according to Fantrax so um you know, I think I might have to take an offensive player, but I don't know if it would be Bo Bichette. And we know what happens when you take Jose Ramirez early in the draft. So just ask Karen when she took him first overall. And not like Jose Ramirez had a bad um, year last year. He obviously finished with 228, which is fifth overall. But in that offense, like I'd rather take someone with the Blue Jays around him and 
Um, I don't know. It's a conversation I have to have in my head from now until March. But um, especially with the pitchers involved too, like you knee-jerk reaction would be like, I'm going to take a pitcher. And the best available pitcher would be Jacob deGrom. But you worry about the injuries and all that. So definitely a conversation to be had. One I'm going to have to have by myself, and I'm sure I'll be having with many of you throughout the offseason and the winter meetings. So just something to ponder. thought it was interesting to talk about. So um, I hope you enjoyed listening. Thank you guys for listening yesterday. I'm going to be trying to get you guys some more content throughout the offseason to keep this um, the colder weather moving along so we get to the warmer weather and baseball season. Um, Nick and I are planning on doing some video series I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but we will be talking about wrestling and potentially comics and all that stuff and baseball, obviously. So stay tuned for that. If any of you guys want to pop on the podcast, have a discussion or, you know, talk about wrestling or whatever, I'm here. So we will definitely do that. This is what the channel will be used for until we can return to the actual uh, real for the fame wrap up show where we talk about actual matchups in baseball. So I appreciate you guys listening. I'm the commish. And I'm out. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.